I have a word for you about the miraculous life of uh, your place in the body of Christ and uh, the miracles that God wants to do in and through each of us as individuals. When I first had the opportunity to preach in a pulpit, it was uh, the pastor gave me, you know, he said, please come and share the word. I'd been going to Bible school. I was I was really serious about the Lord. I sensed a call in my life. So did that pastor. And um, he actually was uh, instrumental in really uh, giving me my start, and I'm forever grateful for that. And I was pacing in the subdivision, praying, and uh, God, what do I do? How do I form a message? What, what do you want me to speak? And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, well, we'll look at verse 12 on through 16, but verse 16 is the... I would almost say a life message that God put in my heart. I've only had a few what I would call visions that were of a level that I would call them visions. I've had a lot of impressions. The Holy Spirit has quickened things in me. I've perceived things, you know, but this was a, like a vision. And I had a vision of Jesus' body from the neck down. And arms were outstretched like this. And the body was comprised of it looked like rows of stones. And I later found that the Bible says we're all living stones, lively stones. There's a church here in town called Lively Stone. I wish I could have got that name first. I love that name, Lively Stone. Where do you go, Lively Stone? I mean, it's just awesome. But uh, we're, living, we're living stones, and we're jointly fit together. And this really is a message that I feel the church needs on an ongoing basis because when I was a kid in the 60s, uh, we were all trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now, you know, they're trying to keep up with another family, but there's always this comparison drawing. There's always this antagonism. The other man's grass is always greener. There's a temptation to compare ourselves among ourselves, and the Bible says we, it is not wise to compare yourselves among yourselves. So what is left to do then? Well, go and land into these verses and understand we all have a particular place through the course of our lifespan, and it's a really wonderful thing. It's the proper working of each individual part. I want, I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read about how, why God puts in apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers into the body of Christ, into the church, verse 12, and the reason for it is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Everybody say the equipping of the saints. For the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ. So this really speaks of a momentum. God has these leadership uh, types, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, there to equip the saints for the work of service. Listen, you know how you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. And uh, it's a labor, but it's a, it's a labor that is not in vain. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all. Recently, Pastor Dollar from Atlanta, Georgia, preached a message on servanthood. And he said the, the church needs to get back to the understanding of how imperative it is that we learn how to be servants. The greatest in the kingdom is a servant. And uh, we serve. We serve the Lord with gladness. We serve one another. We try to outdo one another in showing honor. We put up honor God and help people. And uh, it, it, that's the motto of our church. It's the 
distilled kind of reloaded way of saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I pray this message stirs something in you in regard to your particular role and your gift. Um, you don't want to get out of the lane. You don't want to get out of rank. You want to be where God wants you to be, right? You don't want to be something you think you're supposed to be. You don't want to confuse your gift mix with something else. I've heard people say that oftentimes business minds can confuse their business gifting with ministerial calling. That happened to Uzziah. He was a king, and at a certain point, he prospered. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper, and in his context, he flourished. But when he wanted to offer up incense on the altar, uh, terrible things took place. He stepped out of his, his lane. So we need to learn uh, what God's saying and what God's calling us to. And, and if you've got, got a little bit of time and you can listen... Uh, I'm going to share some things out of 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and Romans 12 that I think will bring a lot of clarity. And I want to just continue to read this until we all attain to the unity of the faith. You know, that's really what I believe is going to be on display in the very end of the age. And um, last Sunday we had a prayer time and my son-in-law Steve prayed over us about Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Unity is where the power is. When uh, we united we stand, divided we fall. So we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a mature man. So these things are attainable. Unity is apparently attainable. A knowledge of God, of the Son of God, is attainable apparently. And also a maturity is a potential. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Did you see this verse here? We're not to be tossed here and there by waves. Anybody ever go on a vacation and get in waves? Let me see your hands if you've been out in the waves. Um, even a small wave has so much power. And I've been fascinated by the big wave surfers that go over to Portugal and they go to these different places all around the world, uh, they're trying to catch a 100-foot wave. One time we saw 25-foot waves. We saw Laird Hamilton being uh, jet ski towed into these 25-foot waves. And I mean, it was breathtaking. But they're actually now, um, there's, a, I think, a Brazilian woman that, that rode a 67-foot wave. And they, they've fallen in those waves, and they, they, you know, one guy broke his shoulder, and, you know, it's like very serious. And um, there's power in, in waves, and there are a lot of waves right now, but we're not to be tossed here and there by waves. We're to actually, those guys don't, they're not, they, they don't go out there to get churned up in the waves. They go out there to ride the waves. Who's here to ride the wave? I listened to Southern California preacher uh, Rick Warren. Baptist preacher, and he talked about catching waves, and I thought, you know, he went to, I think he went to Dallas Theological Seminary, I don't think he was born in California, but yet, and I don't think he's a surfer, but he's doing all kinds of surf examples, and um, how many of you tried to body surf at least, or ride a raft, or a, a, a boogie board, or something, come on, help me out, come on, I know we're in Missouri, but you got to help me out here. There's a sweet spot in a wave, and you could catch the wave. Now, we're not to be tossed by waves. We're actually designed and wired to ride the wave. 
There's a move of God that will come throughout a lifetime over and over again. If you listen for the Holy Spirit, God's always moving. But we, we don't want to get churned up in the confusion of the moment. We want to ride and stay on top of things. And so we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. I love to say this. Turn to somebody and say, oh, would you grow up? We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Did you know it's important that we grow up? I pastor this church, and you know, I've watched young people take on maturity, and then I've watched elderly people exhibit childishness. And it doesn't really matter your chronological life experience. It has to do with attitude of the heart and commitment. And, uh, and so it says here, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects in him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, everybody say the whole body. We are defined as the body of Christ. And it says being fitted together by what, that, by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Hallelujah. That verse right there really is very powerful for me because it just shows me that if we each do our part, uh, the whole of the body of Christ will be the better for it. And it, it really ennobles, and this verse really dignifies you and me as individuals. This verse talks about the body. It talks about Jesus as the head, but then it talks about us as individual parts. Don't you appreciate that God cares about us as individuals? You know, after the Berlin Wall came down in 89, I got to go over to Russia. I went to Leningrad, which is now reversed back to uh, St. Petersburg. And I remember driving by the the banks of the communist era from, what was it, 22 to about 91, so almost 70 years. And I, I would drive by these big, nondescript, basically hideous in terms of architecture, box after box of, of, of containers for the masses to go in, in their little hovels to go in and out of. And the depression... The, the gray, the sullen, dark pallor that was there right after uh, the, the, the wall came down. I remember seeing with my brother the joy of the East Germans. And when, we were, when I was a young kid, they, they put up that wall. And then um, it came, the, the wall came down in 89. So it was about 20-some years that that wall was up. And we got to watch with our eyes the East Germans who had lived in that totalitarian oppression, uh, whose, whose individuality was just disregarded. Yeah. It was just the people, the masses. And they, they got to come and have a fresh touch of, of freedom. And they were driving their little Trabant cars. I think they're plastic or fiberglass or something. PVC. PVC. They, I guess they were melted water. Uh, and they looked like toys. And they had little bitty motors. They had so much smoke spewing out of those cars. And, but they would come out. They'd be so happy. They'd get out and they'd hug us. The soldiers, 
the soldiers hugged us. They said, we, we don't shoot people. You know, they, it, it was like an awakening. It was so amazing. We spoke through a hole in the wall to one of the soldiers. And he, my brother spoke fluent German so, and does, so it, it, it lent itself to our communication. And the contrast, um, this verse puts us in a place where we don't have to compete or compare with anybody else. I, for example, in ministry, don't have to compare or, or, or compete with other ministers. We, as a church body, don't have to look over our shoulder and figure out what everybody else is doing to try to gauge and determine our mission. All we have to do is uh, speak the truth in love and make it our determination to grow up in all aspects in him and then, and then uh, uh, key into uh, this idea that, hey, it's the proper working of each individual part that, that uh, causes the growth of the body and the building up of itself in love. So therein is the evangelistic secret uh, revealed. There's the discipleship component revealed. And it's right there embedded in this verse. This verse is a tremendous seed. And the nucleus of this seed is that it's the proper working of each individual part. We, so it shows us we don't have to judge others. We don't have to analyze other people's motives. We don't have to be obsessed on what everybody else is doing. We don't have to compete. We don't have to strive. What, what we need to do is realize God has an army marching through this land. Deliverance is their song. There's healing in their hand. Everlasting joy and gladness in their heart. In this army, I have got a part. And when you realize, wow, the, the, we're the body of Christ. Let's go back over here now to to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 right away because this is, this is so strong. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says it this way. It says in verse uh, 4, it says, There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord, and there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. You know, I love that verse, Philippians 2.13 that said God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Say that with me. God is at work in me. Say this, Ephesians 2.10. I am God's workmanship. Here's another verse. There comes an hour when no man can work, but we must work while we have the opportunity, while there's still day. And since I'm responsible to, as one of many, to uh, equip and, I, and I, I talked to, I was in a meeting last night with a bunch of ministers, and I said, it's our job, and, when, and this happened to us when uh, the fifth year anniversary of the flood, and they had an awards banquet at uh, the local hotel here at the Doubletree, and I was sitting next to, the, at the time, uh, Senator Jim Talent, and there were a number of people from the Levy District and business owners and so forth, and they gave our church and us an award um, Mayor Jack Leonard got up and with tears in his eyes, just talked about how, you know, we really did a, a, a lot of hard work during that time. It was work, but it was ministry. It was good. And people needed, our neighbors needed us. And whatever up ahead God has for us, our neighbors will need us. This is why I'm preaching this for your equipping. But I got up to receive the award and I said, well, I received this on behalf of the 8,000 volunteers and all the sweat equity they put into it. And I said, my responsibility as a leader is to overcommit and then just hope everybody's going to rally and become have a servant's heart, right? And I heard Jim Talent bust out in laughter because 
that was when, when we do this correctly, we know Jesus gets all the praise and you guys and all of us together, it's the proper working of each individual part. This is not a one-man show, even the Billy Graham crusade. When he came in, the reason our church received those offerings, as I shared earlier, was because we knew we had a responsibility toward it. It wasn't just going to be him coming in and just carrying the whole weight of it. So, and we also showcased, in addition to that, um, they prepared the altar workers in our church. And I loved it because it was so trans-denominational. Can I say trans-denominational now? I guess not. Um, uh, Multi-omni-denominational. And there were people from most of the denominations that came in for training. And I love that because I love the body of Christ. I love the whole church, and including the people that are different from me. And, uh, I, and I just want to be the best that God's called me to be. I want you to be the best God's called you to be. Can I hear it? Amen. So there are varieties, 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 but it's the same God, it's the same Holy Spirit. And verse 7 says, or verse 6 says, there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But in each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Look at that. Each one, it, here's our individuality component. And then it goes into the general component. It goes, each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we see the proper working of each individual part will cause the growth of the body. So we need each one of us to tend to our relationship with God and our space in life and our time frame and in order to be those kinds of contributors that will uh, make an abiding impact for the ages to come. Can I hear an amen? amen. So hallelujah for this. This is, this is an important message right here. This is the opposite of being tossed to and fro. This is where you have a place and nobody's talking you in it, into it or out of it. You just know you're fearfully and wonderfully made. David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul knows very well. Yeah. And that's the problem with a lot of people. Their souls don't know that very well. There's been belittlement. Some people have grown up under sarcasm. In my case, I had hours and hours of belittlement spoken to me from my childhood on. So when I heard about good confession and being more than a conqueror and being a new creation, I really responded to that because I had had a contrast with that. And I, and I realized that it... it, it uh, other people's voices are important, teachers, parents, whatever, whoever says that kind of stuff, but there's nobody like our God. And he gets, he gets veto power every time. And it's the main thing is what this book has to say about who we are and what we have, what we can do, right? How big our God is. And God, because he's at work in us and he's so fantastic and he always does an impeccable job, he's so mighty. I was telling a friend and we just saw Vesta, the Kosovar girl, her mom and dad are away taking care of their parents and uh, through some surgery and stuff. And she's here. She's going through tests now to become a teacher. She, she just got water baptized in our church as a young adult. She's taken her place in her personal walk with God. It's not just pressure from her parents, obviously, because they're not here. And uh, she's doing it because she wants to do it, because she's intentional, because she's an individual, because she, in her personhood, she wants to carry the culture of the kingdom forward, yeah. and in all, in her relationships, and her career, and all the things that she'll, child rearing, and everything she'll do. So it's exciting. It's exciting to see this progress all around us. 
But yet, we've got to, as individuals, break from some things in order to embrace some things. We've got to, we've got to drop some things in order to pick up some things. And what we need to drop is all this belittlement, all this harshness, and we've got to pick up on, God, there are many different types, and there's a lot of variety, and there's room for each one of us. And, and King David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that my soul knows very well. My soul knows very well. In fact, Vesta's parents responded to the gospel because, by contrast, we weren't bringing Americanism to them. In all my mission work, I've never been under assignment to westernize anybody. I'm trying to get people saved. I want to bring the culture of the kingdom of God, including even America. I want to see the gospel go forth now more than ever. There are so many hearts that need Jesus that we've got to do whatever we can, and it's according to the proper working of each individual part. So when Billy Graham came in town, I didn't just coast and go, yeah, let Billy Graham do his thing. He's Billy Graham. He's one of the most gifted evangelists probably in the last hundred years, certainly one of the most effective. Let's just let him do it. No, he understood uh, the, he had a network. He had people go out ahead two years ahead. He had prayer approach that was very rich. He had preparation. When we knew he was coming, we prepared the offering for two years. When we knew uh, Hagen was coming, we prepared the offering. We prepared the building. We tore walls out and we put a tent up and we got ready because there was an announcement it was going to be an effective meeting, and it was. So there, but whether we get an announcement or not, we look to this word of God and we see, all right, God has this stuff all arranged in each one of us, the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. This is what I was going to say about Vesta. In Kosovo, uh, Dritan and Ina asked me to do their wedding. Now, in, in Eastern Europe, and my brother can vouch for this, they had a kind of a twofold approach. They had the, the state, they went into the court and they had a civic thing and then they had a big party and they danced till like three o'clock in the morning. And as a, I counseled Dritan, I said, Dritan, you don't have to stay, this is your honeymoon night, you ought to sneak off. You don't have to stay for your whole party. Let everybody party. You go take off and you go, you know, you be with your wife. He goes, Pastor Jeff, in Kosovo, we have to be the last standing at the party. It's like, all right, whatever, you want to do that. So he, so much for my American counseling for him. So they, they were dancing, and there was one guy that was dancing, and I thought, oh, that's easy, I could do that. This guy was like 800 years old, and he was dancing, and he just was doing this dance. So I stood by him, and I thought, I could do that, because I'm not, I'm not much of a dancer, but I thought I could pick up on that, and I could not do it. And he did it all night, and he was 812 years old. But here's what I want to tell you. There was a man I knew there. He's the headmaster of the school. Now, this is socialism, communism. He's, a, he's of a nominal Muslim background, and he comes into that environment, and he, he tells, and we have this, we have, Dritan and Ina wanted to have a Christian wedding. So they came down the aisle. We played music. They had, you know, they had a ring bearer and all that. We, we had a, a traditional kind of wedding, and the anointing came when we had communion. That's where he met her in Albania at the communion table. He was up there at the communion table and something caught his eye. How about that, man? That's romantic. He saw her across the communion table. Hello, my name is Driton. I am Ina. I love you. You know? 
we will have babies, you know. But, and I was telling this to a friend yesterday, a minister, and this guy said, I have never felt anything like this in my life. And I told my friend, I said, it, it was just to me, it was a, it was a really good, uh, really anointed, but, but it wasn't like a super sensational anointing. He said, that's just because you're used to it. And, and, and what I was used to, that this man had never had exposure to, and he was blown away by the presence of God. And did you know you are carriers of the presence of God? You don't have to officiate a wedding in Kosovo to get this, It's because it says it right here. It says, to each one he is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There's an anointing, I'm telling you, on each one of your lives. And what's really great, though, is I don't have to gift project or spin doctor to try to impose something on you and overly stimulate you in any direction other than just flat out go with God and listen to what he's saying and realize you have a gift mix on the inside of you. He has, he has put gifts on the inside of each one of us. The Bible says you're made in God's image. How many of you believe that? I, I'm totally buy into In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful and multiply, right? And he downloaded creativity in people. There's a house, I think it's in Kirkwood or Webster, a Frank Lloyd Wright house here in town. You know, uh, they're, they're just a creative genius. And he built a beautiful home over there. And they keep it preserved, and it's beautiful. I love that kind of stuff. I, I like going to the zoo and going and watching the submerged hippo swim. Because out on land, that hippo's having some trouble. A little bit of a weight problem. But gets in the water, and that thing is like a ballerina, man. It comes gliding by. It looks at you. You can see the white of its eye. It's right up. It's trippy. And God made that thing. And I love the church. I look at each one of us. And when the, this is an eclectic kind of a deal. I love the body of Christ. It's a, an eclectic kind of deal. It really is. It's not like we're a bunch of automatons and some sort of uniformity. Uh, it's, it's according to the proper working of each individual part. Are you with me? So, so let's just look at verse 4 through 6. It says in, in verse 6, and, and the, there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And um, he says to one a word of wisdom, to another a word of knowledge, and, then, and he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, I want you to go now to verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now this is interesting, because isn't Jesus the head of the church, the head of the body? And so this is saying that Jesus can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, God is not needy, but God has included us in the human uh, engagement. God, God wants a human involvement in the great, big, beautiful plan that he has, right? Or why would we even be here? Why would we even be talking? Why would we, do it? we be reading our Bibles? Why would we be following through? Why would we be overcoming all the hurt and the dejection and the belittlement and the gossip and all that stuff? Why would we still be fighting uh, if there wasn't uh, uh, a part that we had to play? We, we definitely have a role in this thing. And the eye can't, can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. And the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. 
And then he says, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. There's a guy in church on the third service on Sunday with his wife and kids. They sit over there. He was mowing his lawn, and sadly, his toes got chopped off in his lawnmower. That day, two other people were before him. One guy had to get his leg amputated from the knee down. They got caught in a lawnmower, and the other one, uh, I guess, had infection. He said he came out. He was grateful. He was counting his blessings. And I thought, man, it was bad lawnmower day that day. But he told me, you know, it's amazing how important your toes are. You don't know about it until you, you know about it. And uh, I remember when I was in Boy Scouts, a guy from the Sierra Club came and he talked. He was a mountaineer and he came and talked about how he lost his baby toes to frostbite. And he said, it's, and, and he used this example to our Boy Scout troop in the 60s about how um, each person, each, each part, I guess he knew the scriptures, because each part has a place. Say this with me, I have a place in the body of Christ. I have gifts. I'm not comparing myself with others, nor with some idealized opinion of myself, or what people have told me, or what I think I should be. I am fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image for God's purposes and it's according to the proper working in my life that there will be a growth and a blessing in the body of Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 and we'll, you, you have just a minute more? I'm, I'm doing good. You guys are listening good. So I just have just a little bit here. How many of you have heard not to be conformed to this world? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, verse 1, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So we present ourselves to him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. And uh, by you and I, we doing this verse, it's, a, it's married to Psalm 1, the Old Testament. This is a New Testament bump up of Psalm 1, how blessed we are when we don't walk in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of the scoffers, or uh, that kind of thing. But our delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law we meditate in it day and night. Now we, we're not conformed to this world, we get transformed by the renewing of our mind. This message tonight would be mind renewing. You could go through competing with people on the Instagram. You could, you could go through stuff in your own thought life. You could watch a TV show and feel, turn it off and say, why don't I have all that stuff? You could get in all that comparison drawing. And then you pull out of that and then you go back to the word of God and it's very cleansing. It's very clarifying. It's a roadmap for, for, correct, for correct living and, and godly behavior. It'll produce a greater outcome. How many of you want biblical results? I do, man. Listen, it says, for though... For through the grace of God, through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Uh, I love this verse. It tells us, on one hand, not to be high-minded. I've watched people, again, I remember a business guy who kept pushing into ministry. He kept starting home groups. He, kept start, he, he tried to start this and start that, and this idea and that idea. Very difficult to lead. Came and went. 
um, left and went to another church. The pastor had to ask him to leave. Just never had a, uh, an orientation along this line. And it's called high-mindedness. So we don't want that. We know as Christians, we tend to know pride comes before the fall and being puffed up is not a good thing. But also self-deprecation and personal belittlement is a close cousin to that. It's another form of pride. Oh, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. Or, oh, I'm a big shot. It's like somewhere in the middle is this place called obedience. And it's a place called, God, I'm going to think soberly. I'm going to think with sound judgment uh, because you have allotted to each one of us a measure of faith. And another way to translate this is a measure in the faith. I, heard, I had a friend who studied Greek named Carl, and he felt like that's more what this verse probably meant because of its context. We talk about a measure of faith, but there's also a measure in the faith. We all have a role, right? And it says here in verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, my daughter Chelsea bought me a beautiful color anatomy book that is just an amazing, it's not, I guess a textbook maybe for school, but it, it just has all the different functions of the body, the neur neurological system, the skeletal system, the lymphatic system, the digestive system. And I mean, I'll just flip pages and just, and it's so well laid out and the photography and, the, and, the, and, the, and it takes it into layman terminology, you know, how your body, how your liver assimilates and it breaks down fatty foods and how it, you know, creates bile and all that kind of stuff. And, and I mean, it's not overly technical. It's, it's actually, I mean, it'll get you saved. You can read that book and go, there must be a God who, who created this because it's just so wonderful. And um, she got it for me because she felt led to, and she, when she gave it, said, you know, I, I feel like it, it, we need to understand the functioning, a healthy functioning of a body. There's a parallel in it with the body of Christ, right? That's why I love the whole church and refuse to marginalize and get judgmental and get, and get dismissive and get uh, holier than thou and get into this, we're right, everybody else is wrong, we're full gospel, they're three-quarter gospel, they're half gospel. I don't like those terms. I just feel like I just want to be what the word says we're called to be and do what the word says we're called to do and love the brothers and sisters, right? He says, look, it says... Uh, it says, just as there are many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many in one body of Christ and the body of Christ and individually members one of another. Did you see that? There's individuality and then there's membership. We're, we're, we're individual, but then we're connected. And uh, it's amazing. Look, when my wife put this ring on my finger at the altar, um, it didn't assimilate and become like morph into my hand. It's distinct on my hand, right? My fingers are distinct from one another. That's my thumb, that's my index finger, that's my middle finger, that's my ring finger, that's my pinky, right? I know this because I just taught my five-year-old lyric and we, I would go, which one's this? Which one's this? Which one's this? Which one's this? It was awesome. She's good at it. She knows pinky. She knows ring finger. She knows middle finger. She knows index finger. The index was hard for her. I still don't know why you call that index. But anyway, somebody will tell me, and, and it'll be too much information. But anyway, it all, it all has a part. It all has, it, it has, my wrists have, my elbows are different from my wrists and my shoulders, but yet they're all joints. 
I just prayed for somebody who has a sore knee. You want your knee, you know, you're really aware of the, of the joints because it, it, it's at that which every joint supplies. Your joints help you motor through the muscles, the ligaments, the tendons, right? Um, I started it after I had my boating accident. I started to recover and go back into exercise. Fortunately, the person that helped me out with it understood injury because he had been injured so many times. So had a lot of aptitude for uh, recovery so as not to overdo things and abuse things. He knew that you could actually build your muscles faster than your joints and your tendons and ligaments, and then you could be set up and susceptible for injury, and that all those parts need to be strengthened together. As a pastor, I know that the body uh, has to be Ephesians 4.16, the proper working of each individual part. And I also know that as I'm preaching, I'm not preaching to a crowd. I'm preaching to a body called St. Louis Family Church and people that are watching, but I'm preaching to individuals, right? And it's according to your proper working as an individual. And then it says here, though there are many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. For we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ, not if, but what? We have the gifts and they differ according to the grace given to us. Well, I wish I had those gifts over there. No, I wish I had. No, you don't. The other man's grass is not greener. When you get over to it, it has the same brown spots that your lawn does. It has the same grubs and this has the same weeds that your grass has. But from the angle, it's like, that just looks fantastic. I wish I was that person. No, no, get over that. Get over that. Get over that. That's good, what I just said. Better than your response. Okay, since we have these gifts that differ uh, according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So this is an interesting compartment here, and it's worthy of your your study. There are there are kind of gifts that are emphasized here, like a, an exhorter or a, somebody with an aptitude of service or somebody with a teaching aptitude uh, that's a little bit more unusual, a little more distinct. Now we're all to be apt to teach. We're all to exhort one another. We're all to serve. We're all to prophesy. The Bible says so. Uh, but so, and then there, there's even the gift of giving. We're all to give, but then there are people that have a unique. There's, there's even an emphasis on hospitality. There's some people with, that, that have a distinctive. That's like a, 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 a more amplified element. What? Yeah, yeah. They're just people that have those skills. Um, it says. It says, uh, do it. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, 
persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. See, it goes into these specified kind of elements, facets of people's lives. Um, there are gift, there are gifts that differ, and um, but yet, so that we're not over evaluating with our own understanding, so in order that we would be dismissive of others, what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll look to God in our times alone with God and say, Lord, from here on out, what what would you really have me emphasize? What, what do I bring to the table that's distinct? that's unique to me. Generally, I know I have a responsibility to be a giver, to walk in love, to be an exhorter, to prophesy, to, to, to be apt to teach, and so forth. But God, what are, the, what are the milestone achievable things you have for me as we move from 2021 to 2022? I want you to ask that of the Lord. I want you to say, okay, God, you knew me in my mother's womb. You know what I've been through? You know the things I've achieved, you know where I've failed. You know my downsetting, you know my uprising. You know everything about me. You know the number of hairs on my head. You know my days. So God, in order to make the most of my time because the days are evil, in order not to be tossed to and fro by, wa by the waves and winds of doctrine, but to be stable and solid, what would you have me do in these upcoming days? Well, it says so in the beginning of Romans, we present our bodies a living sacrifice. We did that earlier tonight, in fact. Let's all stand up on our feet. The people that just went in the water baptism that just did that. Several people, men and women, committed. What we'll do tonight, we're doing it tonight. It's only 9.06. Are you guys still here? You have some steam in you for some... We're going to sing before we go. But here's what it says. It says... Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be of the same mind toward one another, do not be haughty in mind, be, but associate with the lowly, do not be wise in your own estimation. Boy, I've seen so much of that. So tonight, we just lay that aside. And we just say, God, I'm not all that, but you are. And I, I'm not wise in my own estimation, but I asked for wisdom. And you said you would upbraid if not. You'd, you'd give it and you'd, you'd not be upset with me for asking it. You'd, you'd not call, dismiss me and say, I'm a dummy. You'd say, no, I'll tell you what you need to know. It says, it says, uh, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. That's what we need to do today. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Did you hear that? As much as it depends on you. You can't crawl in their head and make them peaceful with you, but you can make sure you're keeping a peaceful way toward others. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Everybody say this. It's according. It's 
to the proper working of each individual part that causes the growth and the buildup of the body of Christ. Here am I, Lord. Now let's just present ourselves to him like this. Just lift your hands and just open up to him. Lord Jesus, tonight we submit to you for this upcoming season. We know that you put things in each one of our lives. We just look to you as our head, as our leader. God, we want to have a correct interpretation of what you've put in each one of us so that we'd be faithful stewards with that which you've given us. Additionally, Lord, we want to understand that we are individually members one of another. And God, that we have a contributing, vital linkage between all of us and this body of Christ globally. We love the body of Christ. We love the whole church. We pray the victory plan of God over the United States of America. We pray Europe will come into the kingdom. We pray that Asia, the Latin world, the, the islands, all the nations would be roused and we'd see hundreds of millions of people come to the Lord in these upcoming days. We pray, God, for St. Louis Family Church that it would be about the Father's business doing what you called us to do, that original intention that you have for us, and that you would help us, Lord. And God, I pray that as we finish this service tonight, there will be a breakthrough initiative. The power of God will flow in and among us. I pray, God, each individual in this place would be strengthened. Everybody that relates to this as their church, everybody that's planted in this house, God would, be remain, would remain strong and rooted and grounded in love, fortified in the name of Jesus. Fortified in the name of Jesus. And I pray they would be enriched and they'd be, have a breakthrough and depression would lift off and peace would come and settledness of heart. We'd not be conformed to the world. We'd not be tossed to and fro by the winds and waves. We'd be steady, solid, and mature and grow up in all aspects in you. And God, if there's anyone who's not surrendered their life to Jesus, I pray you would grant repentance and change and they would give their heart fully to you. If there's anybody here tonight that needs to get saved, I pray they get saved and they give their heart to you. I pray if there's anybody that needs to rededicate, that they'll repent and they'll, they'll, they'll surrender and they'll get on track. And I just pray breakthrough right now in this place in Jesus' name.